This is Tort Talk with Terrence A. Gross, a board-certified personal injury lawyer. Welcome to another episode of Tort Talk. I am your facilitator, questions asker, Paul Stadden. Thrilled to be joined by Terrence Gross, the man who actually knows all about the legal stuff you need to know. He is a professional. He's a lawyer. I am a guy who owns a couple of microphones and knows how to edit things. Terrence, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm looking forward to talking about the main topic, which is going to be these Latin terms you hear in uh, courtrooms. And, you know, I hear them a lot in like court dramas and those kinds of things, but I want to know what they mean and what they're application is to me, but I do want to follow up on something that we were talking about last time. We didn't have a lot of time to get into. Uh, We were talking about sovereign immunity and the cap that you have to be able to sue people. You can only, you can sue a sovereign. You can only get $200,000, but even if the jury awards you $400,000, you're not going to get the $400,000. So can you tell me a little bit about why this cap exists and how the sovereign immunity thing got started? Well, it got started, I guess, going all the way back to the country's inception. When we left England, for instance, you know, there's certain principles that they wanted to have. You know, you didn't want to have imprisonment for a debt. They had debtor's prisons. But also, over there, the king cannot be sued. So if the king ran through your small little village with his chariot, ran over your child and killed him, too bad. You lost a child. So when they came to America, they said, well, we, we don't quite want that either. So they slowly opened it up where the sovereign, we don't have a king, but the government, you know, in its place right. could be sued. So that's how it morphed in. But each state has its own rules. As far as this cap goes, there's only one way to get around it. So I said on previous show that there's a $200,000 cap. The only way to go around it is if you got a big verdict, like a million or two million verdict, oh. then you would have to actually get one of your house representative uh, legislators. You would have to get that person convince them to sponsor a bill, go to Tallahassee, and when the when they meet to get them to do a bill on the floor asking them to let you collect more than two hundred thousand dollars, which is usually tax dollars. Think about where the coffers where this money's coming from. And so a lot of times these these uh, bills get voted down, but where they do get passed is the poor guy that got you know convicted of murder, maybe served twenty years on death row, and every then you'll read a blurb where they approved two million dollars for this guy that had twenty years, or maybe like a Trayvon Martin case where some kid was killed by cops, and then you hear about a two million. That's all done by the legislature. It, it cannot be more than two hundred thousand unless the. Uh, uh, legislature authorizes it and all i can tell you is it's easier said than done i can only imagine the process of getting that done uh well terrence i appreciate you following up on that i i know we generally try to stretch topics over a couple of shows but we didn't get a chance to really delve into the history of it and also the how that can that cap can be gotten around so i appreciate you doing that all right latin terms um I have a list here of some Latin terms that I am probably going to butcher terribly. My Latin is awful. I do know that you have to do the U's with a long U sound, but beyond that, uh, I'm going to try this first one. Res ipsa locuitur. Res ipsa locuitur. Well, I was... uh, I, I got the consonants right. So. Yes, and I knew nothing about Latin until law school, but these were things you picked up, and I had to get my Black's uh, Dictionary to look it up and all that, but it, it's, a, it's a neat doctrine, and the doctrine says there are a few cases where maybe you're not going to have the burden of proof to prove um, uh, negligence. Let's say you're in downtown Pensacola, and like New Orleans, we have these... Uh, 
parades and things in the downtown. Mm-hmm. We have uh, things where people are invited in the streets and there's two-story buildings of balconies and people are on the balconies. So what if you're walking on the sidewalk and a flower pot hits you in the head and causes injury? Now, Ooh. if it does that, you know you're injured, but are you going to know who put the flower pot wherever? Are you going to know how the flower pot fell? How could you ever prove that and this doctrine race ipsa locator says you don't have to prove it it's just assumed it's like one plus hmm. one equals two there are some instances where it's so obvious that there's negligence flower pots just don't fall somebody screwed up right and and, and of course you got to prove you know the building that came from but if you're you know where you were on the sidewalk and you look up well then whoever owns that apartment it is presumed that they put the flower pot in a precarious manner maybe the wind blew it off or something but you don't have that burden of proof it takes away that because it'd be impossible for you to know how in the world that flower pot fell on your head you just know it did and it broke your skull when you got medical bills and and headaches so it's a great doctrine but it's not used all the time but that's a good example i think that's a perfect example of the flower pot falling out the window from a second story building oh i like that the the Latin speakers thought of these phrases and distilled them down. It makes it really nice. Like schadenfreude, you know, you get those words that mean so much. We need more of this in English. So respondent superior? Pretty much respondent superior, but very close. I was yeah, close. Yeah, yeah, right, very close. Right. That's very good. I didn't put accents marks yeah. over these words. And, and simply the, the, the literal translation is that the employer is responsible for the acts of the employee. So Um. I semi-receptionist on a bank run. She runs a stop sign and causes an accident. I'm at fault first. I'll be the first person mentioned in the complaint. So you got all these truck drivers, you know, driving these big trucks. Of course, the truck drivers don't have anything anyway, but they're driving for Acme Corporation or whatever corporation, and we go against them. So if the employee is in the scope of employment, then in that event, the employer would be liable for the acts of the employee. What's the thinking there that they wouldn't be there unless the employer had sent them and therefore they're responsible or kind of what's the, well, because it's that, and it's probably, it could be that the employer's got the deep pocket. The employer's Mm. got the insurance. You're doing it for the employer. You're on the job. And a lot of people don't make a whole lot of money. Even my receptionist, no offense, is probably right. not getting rich working for me. She's a receptionist, but she's running errands for my benefit all the time. And it's it's so whether it's a receptionist, whether it's anybody that's in the scope of their employment, we have a lot of these cases uh, against these pizza delivery services. You wouldn't believe these guys are racing because I guess they want to deliver the next pizza. And, and you know, you're going to mm-hmm. sue the pizza guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Get his tips for life or something? So, you, but you can go against Pizza Hut and dominoes and whatever and they have insurance where you can collect i guess they do actually get insurance specifically for that purpose it does make sense all right the last word here or pair of words i suppose um i'm gonna get one of these right the first try i promise uh res judicata Race judicata. Race, dang it! Come on. Yeah, just like race. Uh, oh, that's right. I should. Yeah. It's okay. That down. It's good. Race judicata. It literally means a matter already judged. Ah. So you have a beef about some particular issue. You sue, and you lose. It goes to the trial, and you lose. You don't appeal it, and you've lost. And six months later, you're thinking, you know what? I think I got. I didn't get a. I got a raw deal. <laughs> I'm going to sue again. It's, it's trial over again. Maybe I'll get a different judge. You can't do that. 
Mm. So it's a matter already judged. Once it's already judged, now if you lose and you appeal, then it you know it's kept okay, open. Right. There, there's a appeal deadlines, a motions for a new trial, but you can't just keep on litigating the same matter over and over again. But if you had another transgression, so if it's you and the and some kind of landlord tenant, and then it you lose, but then he they do something again, you could try it'd be another case. Oh, okay. So the facts are different. Doesn't mean you can't right. sue the same landlord again with another beef. But it's to keep, you know, there has to be an end to everything. And if right. we didn't have this doctrine, the courts are already overloaded, but you just can't keep on readdressing the same thing. Uh, I, you want you want one last Latin term as a bonus? Do we yeah, have time? But by all means. Uh, I'm going to let you even say it first because there's no way I'm going to get it right the first time. Uh, caveat emptor. Oh, I would have known that one. <laughs> okay, but go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. And, and it's really, it's like buyer beware. Right. You buy a used car at a car lot. It, whatever the paperwork is, that's it. So you, a lot of times I get all these sad stories. I bought this used car and whatever, and it broke down 30 days later. I said, let me see your contract. Oh, there wasn't. I, you know, the, the, uh, it, as is or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's the buyer beware. Buyer beware. So when you buy a used anything, you go on eBay and you buy a used uh, vacuum cleaner. And if it breaks 30 days later, then SOL. You know, that's so right. that's what it is. So caveat emptor, that's another one that just came to my mind. And uh, anyway, so there's a lot of Latin terms. These are just a few examples that, uh, again, I learned uh, in law school and usually first year law school. Every law school in the nation teaches the same stuff. Well, there you go. Uh, if you want to know more Latin than e pluribus unum or parabellum, here you go. You got more more Latin. So next show, we're going to be talking about the loser pays rule. I wonder if there's a Latin phrase for that. I'll have to Google that, and I'll also get the Google pronunciation on it as well. Terrence, how do people get a hold of you if they want to do so? Well, uh, by telephone, 850-434-3333. But probably the best way is Gross and Schuster. Easy enough. Looking forward to talking to you next time on Tort Talk. Make sure that you go to grossandshooter.com. You can find answers to a lot of questions, but of course, the more interesting way is to listen to Terrence answer them right here on Tort Talk. See you next time. (music) 